3: Good evening, one and all, and welcome to the Exon. I am Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern, right here on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, Simul Radio, and Simul TV. And iHeartRadio. If you'd like to uh, visit us on any social media site, it's xone Radio TV, and you can always send an email to Xone at xzoneradiotv.com. And for the, all the programming we have available for you, 24/7, 365, on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Explanation, my first guest tonight is Dale Jarvis. He is a storyteller and professional folklorist living on the island of Newfoundland off Canada's northeast coast. By day, Jarvis is a provincial folklorist uh, for the province of Newfoundland and Labrador, the first provincially funded folklorist position in Canada. By night, he is the proprietor of St. John's Haunted Hike, Ghost Tour, and recounter, uh, Recounter of Local Tales. Dale tells ghost stories, stories of fairies and little people, tales of phantom ships and superstitions, and legends and traditional tales from Newfoundland, Labrador, and beyond. His repertoire is unique in Canada, including long-form folk and fairy tales from the island with a wide-ranging knowledge of local legends, tall tales, and myths. His most recent book is Haunted Ground, Ghost Stories from the Rock. It's published by Flanker Press. And joining me now is... Dale Gilbert Jarvis, and Dale, welcome to the X-Zone. Thank you for having me. My goodness, that's quite a repertoire you've got. Um, <laughs> that's quite the intro, yeah. yeah. Listen, tell me, uh, how did you get interested in folklores and fairies and ghost ships and and all the wonderful things that you talk about? You know, I, I think it's something that I've always been
4: interested in. I've always been drawn to stories of the supernatural, the unexplained, the unusual. E- even when I was a little kid, you know, I was, I was drawn to that type of material um and you know i was always interested in in history as well uh, you know i loved history in school and and i studied uh archaeology when i went off to university and then from there i, I ended up moving uh, out to the east coast and and there there was a a program of folklore here at memorial university and that's what i that's how i ended up uh as a folklorist you know studying how people tell stories about the places where they live and the and the interesting things that they believe.
3: Well, would, would you be classified as a, um, a local historian when it comes to myth, tales, and urban legends?
4: Yeah, I think that's one, a, a pretty good way of yeah. putting it. You know, it's certainly something that I have a deep interest in and, and I'm a bit of a collector as well of, of local lore and local stories.
3: Tell me, how haunted is Newfoundland and Labrador?
4: <laughs> that is a very good question, and I, you know, it's one of those things that's hard to really compare to other places. But you know, I, I grew up in in southern Ontario, actually not too far from from Hamilton, Brantford, Ontario. Oh my goodness! And, just and I just a never couple really of my... knew
3: ghost con- stories growing up as a kid, right? Brantford—it's uh, just down the hall a little bit, uh, and about fifteen yeah. minutes from here, yeah.
4: Yeah. Uh, But since coming out here, you know, I moved out here in the early 90s and and it's like every other person has a has a strange story about, uh, you know, some ghostly premonition that, you know, someone in their family had or stories of phantom ships. Lots of stories about the fairies that people still tell those kind of older European uh, beliefs that kind of died
3: out in other parts of North America persisted here for a really, really long time. Do you, do you think the fairies came across uh, with the, uh, the Europeans that uh, settled earlier into Canada and the United States?
4: Yeah, you know, they, there is a really interesting uh, tradition of that here. And, and some of the stories that people tell, like you can say, okay, those are kind of Irish Mm-hmm. Types of fairies, and then other types of fairy stories you hear. You say, okay, those are more kind of English West Country fairies, um, but they they also kind of act here in a way that is different from the fairies of the old world. So whether they came with the the settlers or they were here uh, before Europeans came, you know, there there's an indigenous tradition in North America of uh, little people, mm-hmm. um, and that's true he- here on the East Coast, but all across Canada, North America, there there are lots of indigenous stories about, you know, kind of a race of hidden people that, that live, uh, in the, in the world. And, and, and so it's possible that, you know, these, these things are, um, stories that, that pop up all, all around the world. You know, I think you could go pretty much anywhere in the world and there's, there's some kind of interaction with the unseen.
3: The, uh, these, these little people, uh, are they the same description throughout uh, Canada and the United States? Or do the descriptions change as we get into different cultural areas?
4: Yeah, they, they really do change. Um, and even even here on the island of Newfoundland, the, the descriptions of them are, in, are incredibly different. Uh, sometimes they approach that Image of what we might think of as a as a gnome, you know, that little yeah. kind of person with a red cap. Um, but sometimes they look they look like us. They look like humans. Sometimes they uh, they might take on a non-human appearance. There was a, a tradition here of of fairies appearing in uh, little whirlwinds, uh, swirls of dust. You know, people would say, oh, that's a fairy. And, and people uh, would get picked up by these whirlwinds and, and taken off to fairy, fairy realms. I, I did an interview with a woman a while back who who told me a, a fairy story uh, where her... And her sister out with her mother, and this was many years ago, uh, on kind of a country road. And they could hear someone coming along on a, on a horse. It was a very very cloudy night, and the horse stopped. The mother called out to who she thought was uh, riding the horse, because there was only one neighbor that had a riding horse rather than like you know a workhorse. Um, And the figure didn't answer. The clouds parted, the moon came out and shone down on the horse, which was a a natural flesh and blood kind of horse. But there was a a man on the horse who was made of shadows. He had no discernible features. He just had the, the shadowy outline of a person as if a shadow had come to life. And he turned the horse off to one side and disappeared off into the bush. And people said that that was a fairy rider, you know, so it had kind of human form, mm-hmm. but obviously not really uh, human in the way that we would think of a human looking.
3: Since getting to Newfoundland, have you yourself, have ha- have you had a paranormal experience of any kind?
4: Yeah, I, <laughs> I bought a house that came with its own set of ghosts. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, uh, I purchased a house in St. John's, 1999, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of not too far from from downtown St. John's, not too far from the harbor, maybe a 10-minute walk. Right. And uh, there was a story about a woman who had died in the house. She had died in the front hall, an older woman who had lived here alone for many years, and her spirit. Uh, may still haunt the place. But she's not a, a terrifying spirit in any way, relatively helpful, uh, and is, uh, has been known at times to return items that are lost. So if, for example, I've lost you know, my keys or something, yeah. I can ask for the spirit to bring them back. Um, there's also in this house the energy of a black cat, um, which I have personally uh, experienced several times. People who, who are around cats will, will know the sensation of having a cat brush up against yes. your, your lower yeah. leg. And yeah. I have felt that and looked down and, and there isn't a cat there. And I have seen out of the corner of my eye a black cat in various locations in the house. So for whatever reason, that the home that I am in is one that comes replete with paranormal energy
3: have your own your own ghost? Uh, does the ghost make contact with you? Does it uh, try to communicate with you? Have you seen it? I have not seen it, no. I've, I've kind of uh, seen
4: its after effects, you know, so if I have missed something and I will ask for it back, right. that, that object will appear in a strange location. But uh, a friend of mine, uh, her mother, uh, came to pick her up from the house at one point and said, oh, you know, I saw, you know, uh, Dale's wife sitting in the, the rocking chair in the front room. Um, and this friend said, oh no, she wasn't, she wasn't home at that point. But the, the mother had clearly seen the figure of this woman with kind of long dark hair in a rocking chair uh, in the front room of our house. So uh, some people have seen her, I, I have not. She's not made herself visible to me.
3: Dale, stand by, you and I have to take our first break for this hour, Explanation. Our guest is Dale Gilbert Jarvis. And his website is, are you, do you have your pencils and paper ready, explanation? There's two of them, www.nlunexplained.ca and www.hauntedhike.com. Dale and I will continue talking about haunted Newfoundland and Labrador here in the zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Not very far down the road from where Dale grew up in Brantford, Ontario. This is the Exxon. I am Rob O'Connell. www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com is where you can get your local, your very own copy of the X Chronicles newspaper. And for all the programming information that we have on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xedbn.net We'll be back on the other side of this short break. Don't go away.
1: In rapidly shifting times of extreme volatility and uncertainty such profound change brings a unique opportunity for the evolution of consciousness i'm guilda wiekka host of mission evolution radio show a program that explores the latest scientific developments and deepening spiritual truths supporting human evolution join me on xzbn.net where i interview leading experts in science physics medicine spirituality and more
3: Back on Simul Radio, Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, let me see, Simul TV, and of course, I Heart Radio. Dale Gilbert. Jarvis is our special guest, www.nlunexplained.ca and www.hauntedhike.com. Dale, in your opinion, what is a ghost and why do they hang around?
4: Yeah, that's a really interesting question. You know I think I think the the standard idea of a ghost being the spirit of someone who is left behind um, doesn't really a- explain all the the strange things that we that we do hear stories about or that we experience. you know, Newfoundland has this amazing tradition of phantom ships, yes. for example. Um, and so very clearly that they they are not, you know um, what we would think of as a soul. You know, I, I like to think of ghosts as being almost hiccups in time. Uh, I think, I think sometimes for those sort of anniversary hauntings, where something tragic has happened, like a like a death or a, a murder or a shipwreck or a disaster, and then there is a haunting that happens on the anniversary of that. Perhaps what we are looking at are. Are kind of psychic echoes you know, of the past, or, or or perhaps we are perceiving an event that is actually happening in the past over and over and over. Um, sometimes, though, one of the most common types of stories that I I hear from people in Newfoundland is what what here people would call a token, and and this is called other things in other places. Some people call them forerunners in in Nova Scotia or fetches in Ireland. Mm-hmm that's where someone gets a warning of some kind that someone close to them has either recently died or that their death is about to occur. Um, and that can manifest itself in a number of different ways. But uh, And I think that that uh, kind of speaks to a, like a deep bond between people of some kind, so that at the moment of someone's passing that there is this kind of link between the two that kind of pulls them together before right. they are separated for eternity. Um, that's probably the most common type of story that I mm-hmm. that I hear from people that they that they have
3: had something happen at the moment or just before someone's death. Now you, you said that the anniversary hauntings. Uh, Occur on a date perpetually, right? Yeah, but let me ask you. Let me ask you this: What happens in a leap year?
4: (laughs) That's a very good question. So that nature has a way of sort of sorting itself out somehow. Uh, The you know these are are ancient stories and and sometimes mm-hmm. uh, sometimes I wonder you know if if maybe our perception of the way the, the universe unfolds is is really quite imperfect you know I think I think the world works in mysterious ways and and our our ability to comprehend mm-hmm. the vastness and the mystery of the universe is perhaps not as uh, as great as we like to think it is
3: right um, Tell us about some of the phantom ship stories that that you tell those people who come to visit with you. Yeah, one of the one of the
4: ones that I quite like is a, is a story about a ship called the Isle of Sky. Um, there was a, a family here, the Mackey family, in a place called Holyrood, which is m- not that far from St. John's, forty minutes or so outside of St. John's, in kind of mm-hmm. the bottom of Conception Bay. Um, they were a fishing family, uh, and, and like many families, they had a uh, fishing premises in Labrador. So they would kind of sail out at the beginning of the fishing season, they would, they would go to Labrador, they would fish um, and then return back to, uh, to Newfoundland and then sell their fish to the, the merchants here. Uh, one year, there was um, one of the young brothers, one of the Mackey brothers was quite sick. And so the family waited as long as they could, but uh, eventually left without him not really knowing if they would ever see him again. And the boy uh, recuperated. He recovered his health. Uh, He stayed with his mother for that summer while the brothers were out fishing. And and in the fall of the year, uh, he looked out one moonlit night out into the bay and he could see the Isle of Skye sailing in uh, to the harbor. And he said to his mother, I'm going to go out with the little rowboat and get my brothers and you put the kettle on and, and we'll have a cup of tea got out, rowed out to the center of the bay, and there was nothing there. There was mm. no ship whatsoever. Uh, and mystified by this, he, he rowed back and told his mother what had happened. And a few days later, um, word came that the Isle of Skye had been caught in a storm further north, and all hands had been lost on the ship. And what he had seen was one of these kind of hauntings of, of the ship returning to the port it, it had left but would never return to in a physical form. And that haunting, the haunting of the Isle of Skye, returns every year. People say around that same time of year, in the fall of the year, when the when the fishermen would have come home. Um, and what is interesting in in that particular area, that return of that ghost ship is now seen as a warning of uh, a coming storm. So it might not be tied specifically to a date, right. but tied to a type of uh, weather pattern. Uh, and, and that is a recurring theme with a lot of these kind of ghost ship stories that uh, they now serve as a warning of something that is going to happen uh, in the present so that there might be a terrible storm or the wind is about to change or something like that. Um, lots of stories
3: like that uh, story of the Isle of Skye. What are some of the most haunted places in Newfoundland? Things,
4: interestingly enough, tend to cluster. That's one thing that I've, I find. As someone who's been collecting ghost stories here for over two decades, uh, what I find really interesting is how there are certain areas of... I guess what you would say, high weirdness, where, where things unusual uh, tend to happen in close proximity to others. So in St. John's, as an example, there's a, a street downtown, Victoria Street. It used to be called Meeting House Lane. There was a Congregationalist meeting house of the street back in the 18th century, and um, that street for whatever reason is a street that has more ghosts you know per uh per mile than any other street that i Mm. that i know of um and and a real range of stuff uh some of them are contemporary uh, ghost stories there's a a theater there that is said to be haunted by the ghost of uh of a young man who's involved with the theater who's there Uh, ghostly lights ladies gliding on the stairs there's a remarkable story that was in the local newspaper in 1907 about two screaming hair pulling ghosts uh that that appeared in a in a room ghostly knockings uh quite a quite an active area and and i honestly don't know why that area has more ghost stories you know you could go one block over Mm -hmm. and it and there is not the same depth of stories but there's something about that little piece of ground that is a magnet for strange activity.
3: Cat fight in the theater with two ghosts pulling each other's hair. Now now when you've gone to these places to check the stories out, have you seen any of the of the stories play out in real time? You know,
4: no. And it's interesting because I, I, I'm i always interested in, in kind of historical stories. So sometimes sure. the stories I'm interested in are stories that happened 100 years ago. But now I have had many people come on the the tour that I run, the haunted hike that I run through St. John's. Right. And and perhaps I am not a, a sensitive uh, person in in that in the way that some others are. We actually had a a woman come on the ghost tour just this past week. Uh, I wasn't doing the tour that night, but one of my guides was doing the tour, and he and he said to me afterwards that this woman had come to a certain spot where we tell a story about a a famous murder case where two children were murdered back in the 1950s. And uh, there is a a ghost story that is associated with it. And the woman on the tour uh, had the sense of that woman being present and mournful and weeping. Um, They moved on to another spot
0: uh, on the tour. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast, while the rest of us sleep in this is your sign to thank them and if you're that friend this is us saying thank you now get a sausage mcmuffin sausage biscuit sausage burrito or hash browns choose two for 250. enjoy a large iced coffee for just two dollars price and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer a combo meal single item at regular price
5: great news
4: And the same woman had uh, an encounter uh, with a a jovial gentleman, is how she described him. So very, very clearly, there are there are things that are still kind of happening in the neighborhood, um, and I guess different people, depending on their level of sensitivity, can experience these things.
3: Why do you think ghost hunting, ghost research, ghost tours are so popular these days?
4: I think I think people are fascinated. You know, it, it is that. It is that eternal mystery, you know, what what happens to us, mm-hmm. you know, when, when when we walk through this life, what happens next? People are fascinated by that. Uh, I think people come on my ghost tour um, because they are they are curious, and and certainly there is that that element of the macabre is what well. people like a a scary kind of spooky story. But I think people come. On my tour, who are at both ends of the belief spectrum. I get people who are absolutely true believers, people who have had experiences themselves, uh, who uh, you know have had experiences on the the haunted hike. But then I also get people who are diehard skeptics, debunkers, who who nonetheless are really fascinated by these stories, and they, they attend for a different kind of reason but um everyone who comes is there because they are they are interested in the unexplained they they there is a a human desire to experience the strange and the unusual and i think that's why people come
3: but how much of the strange experiences that people have are caused by their own psyche yeah you know i i
4: have met a lot of people who have had Uh, strange experiences, uh, paranormal experiences. And I think there is a a correlation to a certain extent um, between the people who... tend to attract maybe negative type of spiritual energy, and, and people who are experiencing some kind of trauma in their own life. Um, I, I think energy feeds on energy, and I, and I have seen that firsthand, you know, I have heard stories from people um, about experiences that they have had of a paranormal nature, and I, and I know that they are, are living particularly stressful lives. And so sometimes I think there's a correlation between those two things, as you say.
3: All right, Dale, stand by. Dale Gilbert Jarvis is our special guest this hour, Exxon Nation, www.nlunexplained.ca and www.hauntedhike.com. And Dale and I will be back on the other side of the news as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. From our broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond, you're watching the X Zone Broadcast Network. www.xzbn.net. AVS Media.
2: You have heard of the X Zone? Now watch it on Simul TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more.
3: Welcome back, one and all, Dale. Gilbert Jarvis is our special guest all the way in Newfoundland tonight. And his website is www.nlunexplained.ca. And NL for all of you who are saying, what does NL stand for? That's Newfoundland Labrador unexplained.ca and www.hauntedhike.com. Gilbert, how do you go about researching the uh, stories that you tell? Uh, Do people know that you do what you do and they come to you and they say, hey, listen, Gilbert, you're not going to believe this. I should say, Dale, Dale, you're not going to believe this story. But I've got an uncle way back when who told me this story.
4: Yeah, it happens to me all the time. And I think because I am so uh, known now in the community, people will go uh, come up to me and say, oh, you're the you're the ghost guy. I was yeah. I was at a hardware store earlier tonight and a man shouted out across the, the way. He's like, oh, you know, I was just thinking about you and ghost stories. <laughs> so it, it does happen. I got into a cab. Uh, this is a true story. I got into a cab a little while ago and uh, the cabbie was kind of looking at me and, and he said, you're the ghost guy. And I said, yeah, I'm the ghost guy. And I've developed almost a bit of a sixth sense for when someone has a story for me. And so I, we were driving uh, through town. I, we were heading to work. and uh, And so we got chatting and I said, where did you grow up? And he said, oh, I grew up in the south side of St. John's. Now, the south side of the harbor has a lot of ghost stories and a lot of fairy stories as well. And I said, oh, lots of fairy stories on the, on the south side. And he said, no, I never, never heard any, any stories about the fairies. He said, but uh, I do know the story about the ghost kittens ghost kit and I and I said well you know I have a ghost cat I need to know the story about the ghost kittens and he said there was a fellow that he knew when he was a uh, when he was growing up and those of us who are animal lovers as I am there's kind of a sad part to this story at, at a certain point in our not that distant history if you we didn't have humane societies if you had a cat who had a A a litter of kittens that were unwanted a a common thing for people to do would be to put the kittens in a bag and take it down to the harbor and and dispose of the kittens that way and that is what this gentleman had done he had taken this bag of kittens and then thrown it into the harbor watched it sink down into the water and he went home that night and that night he was in his kitchen made himself a cup of tea and he looked up and here sitting on the window ledge outside his window was a row of soaking wet
3: oh my gosh
4: ghostly kittens <laughs> translucent kittens here sitting on the on the window who had come back to haunt him for his deed and and this was the story that this cab driver uh, told me on my way to work one morning and that happens to me all the time so in terms of the, the, the research that I do, mm-hmm. uh, people quite often will come up to me and tell me a story in, in passing. And my standard uh, kind of procedure is to then kind of try to arrange a time where I can uh, record them telling their story or, or get them to email me the story. Uh, and then I try to do uh, the historical research, I guess, to kind of flesh out that story. I, I try to see if there are other stories like it in the in the area or or to kind of get to some of the... The background Now, a little story like that might not have much with it, but if I have, hear a story about a haunted house, for example, or a haunted uh, uh, shop or, or church, uh, I, there are a lot of historical records that help me try and um, piece together what really happened in the past. And I love that kind of historical detective work mixed with my love of ghost stories.
3: What has been your most awe-inspiring moment while conducting a ghost investigation, are you doing the research for one of your stories?
4: Goodness, that's a very good question. I, there, are, there are certain buildings that really stand out in my mind. One of my favorite haunted buildings here in St. John's is the our old Masonic Temple. It's a beautiful uh, late Victorian brick uh, Masonic Temple, three stories. It has the great um, all-seeing eye of the architect of the universe in, in copper at the top of the building. Um, and that is a particularly haunted building. The Masons um, uh, ran it for over a hundred years. Uh, they eventually moved out of the building. The building is now a, a dinner theater a performance space. Um, and, and it's always been my great pleasure to go into that space. There was a gentleman, John Warren, who worked there for many, many years, an, an English gentleman who was one of the Masons, and he had amazing stories about his personal experiences. And I got to go through uh, with the building with him and and see, you know, some of these spaces that had been, uh, that the Masons had kept very secret for for a, a long, long time, including their, their Chamber of Contemplation, which is this kind of dungeon-like space in the building where non-Masons never would have been allowed to get in. So being able to, you know, kind of be invited into these these story rich ghost rich spaces right. and be able to do uh, research has been a, a great pleasure.
3: Why do you believe uh, ghostly tales are so important to Newfoundland and Labrador culture? I, I think it, it we we do have a great storytelling culture here. Yeah.
4: Um, uh, you know you you're hard pressed to meet a Newfoundlander who can't tell you a great story. It's
5: you know we're we're known for. <laughs>
4: that now i think across north america you know a lot of canadian comedians and actors that they have newfoundland roots and um and i think that's part of the that kind of anglo-irish tradition of just being really great great storytellers i I think stories are a way of, of keeping the history alive and um i think people are are kind of proud of their their connection to the supernatural world in, in other parts of North America I think if you start mm-hmm. talking about ghosts you start talking about fairies you know people think oh there's something not quite right with that person but but here it's really it's almost a there's a bit of pride that comes with that because it, it does show that link to the heritage and culture of the place
3: there's a uh, there's a comedian from Newfoundland I believe it's Jimmy Carr uh, he's I think he's English but he's he's here all the time yeah. yeah. Yeah, we, uh, my wife and I uh, went down to Niagara and uh, watched his, uh, part of his uh, Christmas uh, TV special for CBC mm. a couple of years ago. And, and I must tell you something. There were a number of Newfoundlanders uh, from the greater Toronto area that were in Niagara. And uh, you Newfoundlanders are warm, fun-loving, great people. Yeah.
4: Yeah, absolutely. You know, this, the, um, the, the musical, the Broadway musical come from Away, which has been such a great hit, you know, um, it's been a great thing to, to see people respond to that, that story of how, of how generous and hospitable and funny uh,
3: Newfoundlanders are. It's a, it's a good, it's a good place to be. Why do you think there's so much richness, uh, of paranormal activity in Newfoundland compared to New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, PEI. You know, I I haven't heard very many stories from PEI, and I've been doing this show for 28 years. But but Newfoundlanders, we had John Mallard on the other night.
4: Yeah, yeah, who's done a lot of great EVP research. Yeah, he's a a great guy. Yeah, I think
3: think part of it is that uh, we have
4: such a great um, depth of history here. Mm -hmm. You, You know, the Europeans were here in Newfoundland, much much earlier than they were anywhere else in North America, we have the one of the only authenticated Viking settlements in yeah. North America here in Newfoundland at Lancer Meadows. Um, so so that and and we actually have as part of that the oldest. Ghost story. The oldest European ghost story in North America is is one of these Viking stories in the Vinland sagas. There's a story of uh, of a gentleman um, uh, Thorstein who was one of the sons of Eric the Red uh who had died in in the new world who had died in vinland and uh, he at one point uh, his corpse before they could take it back to to greenland his corpse kind of sat up this revenant corpse and spoke words of prophecy to his wife gudrid and then before collapsing back down again so we have a thousand odd years of, of these European ghost stories. Uh, so I think that's, that's one of the, the advantages we have over some of the other parts of Canada in terms of our, our ghostly history.
3: And Nation, if you weren't uh, listening uh, the other night when I had John Mallard on, I must tell you that just the name of his book tells you what kind of great people the Newfoundlanders are. It's, it was called Newfie EVP. <laughs> yeah you know and that's yeah, he's, eh?
4: he's he's a great guy he's, he, he's doing lots of great work here he and, and really kind of promoting that that more um
3: investigative
4: yes. side of of ghost hunting yeah wow um
3: any any other type of paranormal activity in newfoundland uh for example uh sea monsters
4: oh yes so, i mean we could do a whole show just on newfoundland sea monsters really? there's there's an incredible history of that here and some of them you know are are based in actual science uh fact you know the one of the very first sighting uh, scientific sightings and studies of the giant squid and we all know about giant squid now right. But there was a time when they were believed to be kind of mythological creatures the
3: kraken right
4: yeah <sighs> and Uh, the first place that they were really studied in any kind of scientific way was here in in newfoundland there was um, a methodist uh, or presbyterian minister who who was a a naturalist he was really interested in, in natural philosophy and 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 the the ecology of the seas and fishermen had been there had been a uh, two fishermen and a boy had been out in a little rowboat near Bell Island and um, They had gone after what they thought was wreckage they had reached out with a hook to kind of hook into what they thought was something that had been jettisoned from a ship or wreckage from a ship and It opened one giant kind of baleful eye and then cast oh these great gosh. tentacles around their little uh, rowboat um, Threatening to sink it the the Newfoundlanders fought back took an axe chopped off one of these tentacles Uh, Brought it back to Portugal Cove and presented it to the local minister who said, oh, you know, there's this minister in St. John's, Moses Harvey, go take your tentacle to him. And he, he hung this tentacle up in his bathtub and photographed it. He was an amateur photographer. This was in the 1890s. And the very first um, kind of scientific study of the, the giant squid named the giant squid after that, that prominent Newfoundlander. The, the name of the squid was Architeuthis Harvii after, after Moses Harvey, who had uh, done this first study of the giant squid. So some of them are scientific stories, but then there's other real Well, really... we're going to
3: have to go and do a bit of a cliffhanger here, my friend, because I've got to take my final <laughs> no break. No worries. All right, explanation. Dale Gilbert-Jarvis is our guest this hour, www.nlunexplained.ca and www.hauntedhike.ca. And he is the author of Haunted Ground, Ghost Stories from the Rock. It's published by Flanker Press. And we'll talk more about his book on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com.
1: The concept of a new age has been around since the late 19th century, yet much of its original meaning has been lost. What exactly is the new age? Is it a religion, a collection of obscure esoteric practices, a series of doomsday predictions, or an astrological event? The New Age Chronicles is a unique, complimentary publication, bringing reason and grounded information to separate fact from fiction. Chock full of valuable information to support you as we make the monumental shift into the new era. You won't want to miss a single innovative issue. The New Age Chronicles newspaper is coming soon to www.newagechronicles.com.
3: Welcome back, one and all. This is The Exxon. I am Rob McConnell coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. For all of you who keep sending me emails on, Rob, where's Hamilton? Well, it seems that you either do not have MapQuest or you do not have Google Earth, so I'll tell you. If you know where Lake Ontario is, you know, one of the great five lakes in North America. Okay, everybody's shaking their head, yes, Okay. Um, If you find, when you find Toronto on the north shore of Lake Ontario and then you find Niagara Falls, that is where the Niagara River flows into Lake Ontario from Fort Erie. If you come towards, if you go north towards Toronto on the QEW, you're going to see it kind of looks like a horseshoe. Well, we call that the Golden Horseshoe. And Hamilton is smack dab in the middle of the horseshoe. And, uh... Next time you're around, drop in, say hi. Friendly people, just like all Canadians are friendly people, including our good friends on the East Coast, and especially in Newfoundland. We had John Mallard on earlier this week, and uh, tonight we're talking to Dale Gilbert Jarvis. His website is nlunexplained.ca and hauntedhike.com. Tell us about, uh, we were doing a bit of a, uh, of a uh, cliffhanger because we were talking about the Kraken's tentacle that was oh, hanging yeah, up yeah. in the uh, minister's bathtub and he was an amateur photographer.
4: Yes. Yeah. And so the, the, there's a great tradition of that here. And not just not just giant squid, but mm-hmm. I, I could go on and on. There's lots of stories about mermen and uh, giant fanged seahorses. Fishermen love to spin a yarn, I think, <laughs> sometimes. So uh, we have this great tradition of, of these sea monsters. But, you know, the, the, the oceans are largely still unexplored. We, we, yeah. we don't know how many uh, strange things lurk beneath the surface.
3: And a lot of lives have been lost. Isn't there a uh, yeah. gra- isn't there a graveyard in St. John's where a number of the people who lost their lives on the t- Titanic are buried? Uh, that graveyard is in Halifax. Halifax. Country, right? the, Halifax. Newfoundland was yeah. the place
4: where the 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 message yes. was received. Right. Uh, and then the the ships that came to pick up the survivors and and to pick up some of the bodies went right. on to Halifax. And so there is a quite quite a, a moving uh, graveyard there in Halifax that that is a memorial to some of those victims. Yeah.
3: What are the what are the most recent ghost stories that that you talk about?
4: You know, I I, st- I still get ghost stories from people all the time. People who have strange, strange experiences. Uh, you know, there are there are buildings here that that uh, continue to have uh, ghost stories. I got an email a little while ago, which I haven't followed up yet. But mm-hmm. a woman was telling me about a, a haunted Tim Hortons, which is our great oh, Canadian no. uh, donut and coffee chain. So uh, there are there are contemporary stories. That's that's the exciting thing for someone like me. I'm interested in historical stories. But uh, ghost stories continue today. There's still people who have strange experiences. And so I, I love collecting um, some of those modern stories. Mm-hmm. In my book, uh, uh, Haunted Ground, I document some of these more kind of urban legend, strange contemporary stories as well. So we have uh, stories from, there's a place called Glovertown here in Newfoundland, which has a very localized urban legend about a creature called Red Eyes, which Ooh. is a ghost of a man who was killed in a, uh, what was a, an unfinished mill, a, a, a pulp mill, mm-hmm. and his, his ghost has been seen recently kind of haunting this place with these glowing red eyes that uh, peer out of the darkness, and a lot, of, a lot of stories in that community specifically about that particular spirit.
3: All right, as, as we're in Ontario... Not very far from where Tim Hortons started. I have to ask you about the haunted Tim Hortons. I really <laughs> that's, do. Yeah, that's
4: that's it. that's on my to-do list. And, and I I think it's going to be interesting, just because I think it's one of these uh, examples of how ghost stories are, if, if you'll pardon the expression, a living tradition. You yeah. know, that they are still things that... Uh, that uh, unfold. so I, I don't have a lot of details that's for future that's for future work so I'll have to when I know more about the haunted Tim Hortons I'll have to come back and let you oh, know
3: definitely 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 um how long did it take you to write your book haunted ground uh, ghost stories from the rock and and how many stories are in your book Oh gosh uh, how
4: many stories are in the book? the, the books uh, it's about 120 pages or so and there are I, I, I like to break things down into chapters that mm-hmm. are kind of related So uh, there's a, there's a number of stories how, how long did it take me that's a that's a hard question to answer as well because'm I'm, I'm constantly collecting stories and, and writing stories. Uh, I have the blog website that you mentioned NL unexplained so quite often what I'll do is I will... I will, I will learn the the core uh, of a story. I'll learn right. a bit of a story, and I'll, I'll write a couple blog entries about it. I'll do a bit of research. I'll put that out there and then solicit more information. So uh, sometimes the books uh, take a, a fairly long time to write. Uh, generally, what I tend to do is I kind of putter away at a bunch of stories Then when I have a good group of stories. I'll kind of sit down for a month or two and really kind of refine them. So the the process of writing that book, on and off, maybe about maybe about two years to write that particular book.
3: And how many stories do you have all told?
4: Oh, my goodness. Uh, hundreds, I would really? say. Hun- hundreds of, 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 of stories. The the Haunted Ground is, I think, the sixth book of ghost stories that I've written. So there's no shortage. Years ago, I was asked <laughs> to write a, a ghostly uh, column um, yes. called uh, uh, Newfoundland Unexplained for the local newspaper. They'd asked me to write it weekly. And I thought, uh, there's no way I can come up with 52 stories for a year. And so I wrote it every other week. I said, I, th- I thought I could get 26 stories Mm -hmm. and I wrote that
3: column for 10 years and I never ran out of stories um with all these stories out there with all of these uh, hauntings that are going on do you find that there's a lot of ghosts that kind of linger on in hotels and bars
4: yeah one of the one of the stories that I tell on the St. John's Haunted Hike is a, mm-hmm. is a ghostly tavern story, which is quite a gruesome little story. Um, and taverns and bars and hotels are those places that do tend to uh, attract stories. There, there was a, a, a little inn downtown St. John's that is no longer, it's actually for sale right now. Someone's looking to buy a haunted property um and i remember going and talking to the city archivist at one point and she said there was a couple who had stayed there who had come in and they had had strange experiences in the hotel and they were looking for information about the history of the building and she she gave them what she could the next day another couple came in and looking for information on the building and she said oh you must know the first couple the couple that was in here yesterday and they said no we don't we don't know them but then they proceeded to tell uh, a very, very similar experience, but the exact same hotel, a ghost of a man, which uh, locals have called Jacob, a, a figure of a man kind of in Edwardian evening clothes, um, smoking a pipe who has been seen kind of leaning against the fireplace in one of those in one of those upper rooms of the hotel.
3: Any reports of UFOs that have come to your desk?
4: Yes, and there are some great people here who are doing lots of work on UFOs as well. I'll have to hook you up with our local UFO expert Lee Tizard, who Please has done do, yeah. really a, a lot of great work documenting that. Um, and we and we had a couple uh, U.S. Uh, bases here uh, during the during the Second World War and the yep. Cold War, and so the Project Blue Book. So those of you who are you know UFO aficionados will know Project Blue Book. Uh, there are several accounts uh, of UFO sightings here um, in relation to those American air bases, uh, both in Newfoundland and in Labrador.
3: Well, isn't there still a, a joint U.S.-Canadian base on in Gander? Um, the, or is that yeah, strictly there's, Canadian there's, now? There's
4: still, there's still a, a, a Canadian base, anyway, in yeah. Gander. And uh, Happy Valley Goose Bay in Labrador right. is often used for low-level flight testing and things like that. So it's a great, great military and aviation history here.
3: Have you been able to see a correlation between the people who are seeing these apparitions or these ghosts, um, a common thread? You know, that I, that is something that I
4: haven't been able to do. What actually astonishes me is, is how varied the people are. Mm-hmm. Y- you would think there's maybe one type of person that has experiences, but I, I right. find honestly the opposite to be true, that I, I meet people from all walks of life, very, very different people, you know, businessmen and school teachers and young people, old people, uh, all of whom who have had uh, uncanny experiences. And there really isn't a common thread that links them. It, it, the, the paranormal doesn't seem to uh, differentiate in, in, in some way. They, they appear to who they will appear to.
3: What are your final thoughts for our listening audience around the world?
4: Uh, I guess just, you know, I, be curious. I, I, I am constantly curious and I'm always listening to people. Um, I think sometimes people, uh, I, I find people are at times reluctant to tell their stories because they think they're going to be um, derided or mocked because of what, what has happened to them. And I think right. we, we miss out when we, when we take that approach. We, we need to keep kind of an open mind and ask questions and listen to people's stories.
3: Where can people buy copies of your books?
4: If you go to Flanker Press uh, online, you can just do a Google search for Flanker Press. I think it's flankerpress.com. You can uh, find the books through there, or you can go to my website, uh, nlunexplained.ca, and there is a section there called Books, and you can click on that, and that will take you right to the book website as well.
3: Dale, I want to thank you ever so much for joining us. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. I wish you continued success both in your your Folklorist role, as well as uh, being the man behind Haunted Hike, don't be a stranger to us here in the X-Zone. And when you find out that information on the Haunted <laughs> Tim Hortons, please let us know. We'll get you right back on. I will. It's been a it's been a treat to have a chat. Take care of yourself, young man. You too. Bye bye. Now, Exonation. Our guest this hour has been Dale Gilbert Jarvis. His websites are nlunexplained.ca and hauntedhike.com, and he is in Saint John's, Newfoundland. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as the exome continues with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's wwwr dot com.